Welcome to episode 14 of the Bike Pack Cannon podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. Uh, quickly about to head out the door after the cast here, uh, gearing up to uh, take on the Edmonton Bike Show this weekend. So it's uh, February uh, 25th and 26th. Um, and if you want to learn more about the show, it's edmontonbikeshow.com. Uh, I'll be at the Hammer Nutrition uh, booth all weekend and I've also got two talks um, each day so the Saturday and the Sunday um, a bike packing 101 talk and a bike pack racing uh, talk as well as some fueling talks and all those are listed on the edmontonbikeshow.com uh, website um, news news of the week uh, happened to announce that Tour Divide uh, winner and our buddy Josh Cato is coming back uh, to the summit in September. Uh, it was, it's really awesome to have him back. A, a lot of the attendees really appreciated having him and his wife uh, Val along for the rides and you know to share his experiences and uh, just kind of really get to know him in a very intimate uh, setting. So uh, he will be back and, and hopefully Val if she can get the time off. Um, along with um, our first featured guest uh, we've announced so far is uh, Mike Dion, or director Mike Dion of uh, Ride the Divide fame. And uh, there might be a few other surprises coming down the pipeline, but uh, Josh and Mike uh, so far. Um, other great news is we've had four new entrants to the Bike Pack Summit uh, this month. And uh, of course, if you've been following us on uh, Facebook and the other social channels, um, everyone that enters in February is uh, entered to win a pair of uh, bar mitts. And um, you can uh, enter over at uh, bikepack.ca. Um, the price right now is uh, $210 uh, for the, the three days. So it's a timely conversation today um, with the Barmets uh, mention. Uh, I'm chatting this morning with uh, Ward Graham, who's the founder and creator of uh, Barmets. Um, the company is a, a family-run business out of Carson City, Nevada. Um, if you're not familiar with the product, they make a, a black neoprene uh, over mitt or cover uh, that you see many of uh, the fat biker riders using at this time of the year. Um, they also got into making a product called uh, Bottle Bots recently, uh, which is to help insulate your water bottle. Uh, both of these I, I use extensively on the, the Icefields uh, Parkway. Um, and of course, um, as I mentioned, Bar Mitz is also a sponsor of the, the Bike Pack uh, Summit. So I, I'm, you know, I, although I did get a pretty good crash course last week, I'm still just learning about the product myself. Um, but I can definitely speak towards uh, it, integrity. Um, you, you know, you're dealing with the true blue uh, outdoors entrepreneur uh, when when you're trying to pin them down for a podcast. And on uh, several occasions, they have to uh, change the date because um, uh, there's good powder and they got to get out uh, skiing. Uh, so, so Ward, we'll start there. How's the powder looking in Carson City? Oh, we've had great snow. It's been a record year just about uh my little mountain, Mount Rose, right now has 630-some inches, so uh, the snow just keeps on coming. Okay, and where you are in Carson, that's it's it's uh, kind of like a, a valley town, isn't it? So uh, my Carson is, uh, I live in Washoe Valley, it's just north of Carson, and I can see... I can see my little Mount Rose that we ski at, which is not a terribly small mountain, it's uh, it's uh it's got decent height. I think it tops out at 9,000. And uh, you get a couple thousand vertical out of it. And, um, but 
good backcountry skiing around to be had too. So um, when the winter's good like this, you can ski a 5,000 foot vertical down to actually down to my valley floor. So um, it's a fun place to live. Um, being brought up on Long Island, um, it was uh, quite a change coming out here, and a change for the better, that's for sure. It, it seems quite the, the transplant. Why, why uh, Long Island to Carson, or the Carson City area? Um, a friend of mine led the way. He came out and roamed around. Um, we were both in aviation together years ago, and he came out here. He's stuck in the aviation field. And I changed to being a floor sander for, I don't know, forget, nine or ten years before I moved out here. And I continued with the floor sanding. Um, but like I say, he landed here. I came out to visit, looked beautiful, and went home and saved up some money, me and my wife and the little girl, and out we came. And um, never looked back. It's been fantastic here. Lake Tahoe's right up uh, over the hill. Um, and like I say, the backcountry and the hiking and the bike riding and um, also a hang glider pilot. And... Um, you know, speaking about the hang gliding, that is how bar mitts got started. Um, started bike riding back on Long Island after I ruined my knees running. And I was freezing my hands off all winter, and really bad freezing my hands off where the skin would peel off all summer long. So, yeah, the wet cold um, apparently will do that. And... Um, while up in one of the hang gliding sites, I found somebody had left behind a pair of um, bar mitts, and they were real easy to get onto the top of the flats of a road bike. And I rode like that for probably 20-some years before I started developing the, the bar mitts. And um, seeing that how they work so well and using them and I was always up early in the morning riding and freezing my hands and then I just started developing the mitts around the the new style shifters and gosh that probably took five years of playing around and falling down and just trying to find the right materials to work with and um, finally ended up with the neoprene mainly because of the body so it stays open. That was a that was a critical thing for me to have it open so you could get in and out easily. And then um, it, it turns out, um, I, me and my wife went up to UNR to a small business um, professor type, and he told me about a local guy who made neoprene fishing gloves. And he met with us and hooked us up in China and. Away we went. We placed our first order in 08 and um, been going ever since. Uh, been expanding on the line. Uh, we've got so many different mitts right now and so many different variations. Um, and I'm still working on more. I've got more coming. Well, excellent. So I mentioned in the introduction that it's a, a kind of a, a family business, or at least I think it, it is. How many, how many employees, yeah. or you know, what's what's everyone's sort of day to day tasks look like? So my daughter just completed college. She's always helped with the packing and shipping when she wasn't too busy. 
Um, the wife is probably the brains, or not probably, she's the brains. She deals with all of the logistics and the shipping and dealing with everybody. And I'm just the inventor and bike rider. I, uh, I put it together and I help out when I can. I, I, I do all of the shows and traveling and stuff like that when necessary. But um, so it's my daughter um, who's finished now. She's coming on full time. My son is just out of high school, starting college, so he packs and helps out with the shipping and organizing and stuff, and um, my daughter's boyfriend has always been a big help, and um, that's really the, the four of us. That's how it, that's how it goes, five of, actually five of us with the boyfriend. So I imagine it's a pretty busy uh, workspace at uh, this time of year? It's uh, So it really starts tapering off now. Um, it starts diving off. But starting in September to now, it's, it gets very busy. There's some big orders that go. Um, we picked up Japan very early on, so that starts usually early August, September. We recently picked up Norway Distributor, and um, we've got some in Canada. We've got two distributors up in Canada. And um, that about covers, and then all sorts of distributors here in the States. We've got lots of regionals and some of the big guys uh, carrying it. Okay, so but, um, in, in, the, in the summertime, uh, like, so if things are tapering off now, what, what, how does your focus change uh, in, this, in the warmer months? So I'm a floor sander by trade, and I'm still floor sanding um, during the summertime. Um, that's a trade. Uh, I, I've loved it. Um, my biggest worries about it are dealing with the fumes, but it's been great work. I came out here out west and immediately started getting calls to do gymnasiums. And, well, coming from New York and walking on somebody's turf and stealing a gymnasium scared the crap out of me. But uh, there was nobody doing it. So I bought up the equipment and started sanding gyms. And I don't do a lot. I do one or two a year. But um, what happens with the the gym work, you usually end up getting the maintenance and recoats and stuff like that on them. So I take care of UNR, and I take care of um, a bunch of Mormon churches in the area. They have, a, I think I've got 10 of their places. And they're on a constant maintenance, keeping them up. You know, if you let the poly go too long, the gyms start getting slippery, so you've got to recode them. Okay, I didn't know that. <clears throat> um, so you, you mentioned um, that you've got distributors um, all around the world, including two in Canada, and I believe one of them is Orange Sport. Is that right? One is Orange, and the other is Demore over in the Montreal area. Okay, and then Orange uh, just recently, uh, I believe they just started carrying the Apadura bags. Uh, they're they're a personal sponsor, so uh, it's good to know that connection. Uh, so you, yeah, you, you've been a good company to us. Um, it took a long time for Canada. It was surprising um, how long it took Canada to come on board with the bar mitts. Um I thought that would be uh, a real good fit right out of the gate, but... I think it was four years before we got the distributors in Canada. If, if you don't mind me but, asking, like, what, what were some of the barriers there that you had to, to cross? I, I, really, I really don't know. Um, you know, we just hooking up and being at Interbike and them actually seeing us and meeting us, you know, 
right out of the gate, I, I forget, Lambert was looking at us, and they kept, in 08 was a tough time for everybody, and they just kept hemming and whoring over it, and um, and they still, they looked at us again a couple of years ago, and they they keep telling me they're, they've got too many SKUs or something like that, and I'm, I'm pretty done with the whole thing. I've got two good distributors now, and I'm going to keep it there. Um, the uh, Orange was not very pleased with us when we took on Demore, but I really felt that I needed a French company over in that area um, to deal with um, Quebec and that. So um, they they tolerated they tolerated it they, they swallowed it and took it. But now I've got two, one West Coast, one East Coast, and and they do great with it. Yeah, I, I can empathize with uh, the Canada situation. So with with Hammer Nutrition, we we are the exclusive distribution in Canada, and um, it, it's it's like dealing with two countries. There's there's Canada, and then there's there's Quebec, and it's kind of its own. Um, it's not that we try to this, to separate the two, but it, there's a very distinct difference in um, you know language and um, as far as. Um, you know the, the 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 barriers that come along with that, as far as building relationships with with the dealers in the province. So, um, you know, we've gone back and forth uh, about having another distribution there, or do you have a rep that's just focused on that on that area? So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that we're not alone uh, alone on that front. But uh, happy to hear that you've got things worked out and you've got distribution going and. Um, along that lines, I, I'm curious, you know, like a lot of, um, the bike companies and associated, uh, products, they, you know, they, they kind of have a standard where you, you do a, an order run at the start of the year and then you just ship it all out. Do you kind of operate the same where you, you kind of do one big order and that, that's it for the season or are you doing fill in orders throughout um, the season? Canada, yeah, Canada's unique that way, where they try to do that early order stuff. But they, they do that, and then they'll they fill in um, throughout the year if they start running out, and they, they do run out. Um, I, I was up, I did a show in Vancouver, and I visited with um, Orange, and I saw what they did the first year, and I told them what they were going to do just based on projections that I've had from the states. And they just about laughed at me. And sure enough, the next season, they just about did what I told them they were going to do. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, and Europe is a little bit like that, too, with the pre-orders. Um, but they're finding that they still need to order more and fill in throughout the rest of the season. The, the barments have become very popular. You know, with, along with the snow biking um, and people that want to commute throughout the winter and save the gas money. Um, it's it's really gone well for us. We've, we've probably got nearly 100,000 pairs sold, which is not, but, um, you know, for a small company and a, a product that everyone laughed at. I mean, just about laughed us out of Interbike, the first show. Oh, I, I want to I get into that. I do. Um, but <laughs> um, first, um, one, one other related question. Do you, do you have a sense for uh, the Canadian market where the majority of your sales uh, are happening? Yeah, I would say more um, towards the east. Oh, really? Um, I would believe more east, central and east where it 
seems to be colder. You know, the Vancouver area is not the coldest place on the planet. Um, but I don't, I, you know, I really don't track that 100%. But um, one thing for sure is um, if you were to do it according to the United, United States, my sales are more Midwest and East Coast than they are here. Um, Portland uh, or Oregon and Washington, they're just uh, warmer climates. They love the barmets, they use them, but they they don't have the wicked cold winters, and they can they can usually manage without if they need to. That makes sense. Um, so yeah. you you briefly touched on it. You you, you said uh, in your words you were you were pretty well laughed out of uh, inner bike the first time you went. Um, tell me what what year do you, if you recall what that was and and how has the sentiment for uh, bar mitts changed since then? Yeah, so um, inner bike uh, 08, I think was our launch launch when we uh, we did our first year and um, it was nice at that time they had the new product pavilion so we were in there but. The go- and we only had one product. I had the road bike. That was it. Um, I didn't approach the mountain bike because everyone, there was existing product out there, and I just didn't go that route. So, um, but the the comments and the laughter and the goofy looks and people put their hand in and they grab the bar and then they make it seem like they can't get out of it um, is. It, it just was bizarre, but the one the Japan took a huge order right out of the gate, so that really kept us floating um, and gave us good spirits about it. And then me, I I've got this old Frito Lay truck that I turned into a motorhome, and I started hitting every show I could possibly hit, and um, traveling around the country doing probably ten. 11, 12 shows a year, sometimes on the road for a month at a time. And uh, the main thing was to get it into their hands. So give it away, whatever you had to do, give it away cheap. And then here and there you'd get somebody who didn't care about the looks and they would try it. And they'd go out and ride with their bike club on a winter day and be the only one left with warm hands and sure enough all of a sudden that whole club has bar mitts and it was beating the streets and getting it out there and then um i'm not getting laughed at so much anymore <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, 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 so we're we're going in i guess next year will be 10 years so it's uh it's been fun it's and just love doing the shows and connecting with the people that that's been a hoot so when when you're at these uh, first uh, round of shows were you the were you the first to bring a product like this then to market i think i'm the first i was the first to do the road bike for sure and really start mass producing and i really think i was the first to start mass producing um the mountain mitts also so you know at the fir- at the very first show at interbike that was some of the response that I got was, um, where's the mountain mitt? So I was like, well, I thought it was already done, but so I went home and whipped up a mountain mitt, so next season I had it. And then um, 
all of the different sizes and variations um, started coming along. Um, I guess the last design with the mountain mitt was the extremes that I just made, which is a it's a it's a big mitt, so you can get a lot of glove in there if you still need it for really cold conditions. It's fleece lined. It's uh, it's got a removable cuff, and I also put a a large zipper on the front so you can ventilate if you get too warm. And um, it's it's come good. It's and and oh eight oh nine was pretty much the time when the fat bikes were really starting to kick in. So we nailed that by accident. It was the timing was perfect, and now. You know, we've got Cobra Fist and um, Specialized is making some too. And the knockoffs, I don't have a patent on the mountains, so they can do that. But I, I do have patent on the, the road mix, so I can chase them down a little bit um, oh, okay. when they start copying the roads. So the the difference then primarily being the the, the road mix is more suited for, I guess, a, a drop bar. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah, so the road mitt is strictly drop bars. And um, over the years, uh, so uh, going through some of the product line, I don't know if I could remember it all, but we've done um, cow horns, um, townie bikes, and what else have I done? I've done kids' mitts for little kids' bikes with no brake levers. Uh, right now, I'm working on for next season uh, a dual position road bike mitt. Um, with the road mitts, you're stuck on the hoods. It doesn't allow you to get down into the drops. Um, and I don't know how much call there will be for it, but I've I've had a couple of people ask about it. So I'm gonna do a small load and put them on and see how they go. Um, so, so you mentioned that um, there are some knockoffs and, and other competitors uh, in the area. Uh, so now that you guys, say for say for the average customer that has never tried it, that might not know the difference, how do you try to differentiate yourself among that growing list of competitors? You know, um, I just, the bar mitts are quite simple, and the neoprene, because of the body, um, stays open nicely. Some of the competitors, they have to have this plastic gizmo in there to, to keep their mitts open. And something that was interesting to me recently was um, somebody in Alaska called, and he loved the bar mitts. And, you know, there's a company in Alaska that makes, um, it's like a little sleeping bag almost for your hands, and very, very warm, I'm sure. Um, but they can get wet if it's raining. Um, you know, it's like a down sleeping bag. So he loved the bar mitts because it was waterproof and, you know, kept the water out of them. Uh, water won't penetrate through it. Do you, is, is much of your business focused uh, direct to consumer or is most of your time just working with the distri- distributors? Um, we certainly still get a lot of direct sales, um, but we have, you know, the distribution has been huge. QBP took us on quite early. And um, that was another interesting... Um, right out of the gate, I realized you couldn't go through the front door with anything. 
so anytime I came across the kids working in the shops and the kids working at QBP or the people working at QBP, I would hand it out freely. And I just called it the back door way in. Um, and all of a sudden during the winter, QBPs, everyone's got barmets on their bicycles and the, and the big shot starts seeing this. And they're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I, I learned early uh, the front door wasn't working for me. Yeah, that, I've, we've seen that uh, ourselves too with with some of the the chain retailers in in Canada that are accustomed to to dealing with bigger nutrition companies that have uh, deeper deeper uh, marketing pockets and and might beat a louder drum. So you know we'll be quite often doing those uh, those shipments and. Um, um, looking people up on LinkedIn and, and trying to connect with them one-on-one. Um, so I, I very much appreciate the, the kind of the stealth approach. Um, so you, you, it sounds like you kind of have the, the distribution side of things all figured out. So um, are, are you still feeling the need to, to kind of pound the pavement um, and going to all the, the trade shows? Um, I, I backed off last year a little bit. My wife had shoulder, oh, actually knee surgery. And she was had to be off of her foot for, I think, a month, and then had to be super gentle for a month. So I backed off a little bit last year. And this year I kind of backed off a lot. I did Interbike. I did, um, there's another show that I love to go to, um, Iceman, which is over in uh, Michigan. And that's a great show. There's 9,000 riders that show up, and they have a man mandatory packet pickup at the expo and they've just been fantastic people and and i when i can i do the ride myself the next day um it's uh i've been launching another product and i started doing shows this year with it i think i did two or three with um i make a snowmobile mitt and I I had there was one big show that I couldn't get into for years, and I finally got into it. So I started doing some of those shows, and they sell pretty well. Um, I just haven't pounded the pavement with that very much. So um, I did a few of those. Um, I don't know how I'm going to keep. I'm always going to do inner bike. Um, there's a couple of shows back east I like to do. There's one in Pennsylvania also. Um, she she runs a fantastic little bike show in Philly. Um, but some of the smaller ones, I think we've gotten our foot in the door plenty right now, and I'm going to start slacking off. I, I I always threaten to travel to Europe and do shows there, but I just haven't haven't had the heart to go and do it. Hmm. So where, where do you see the most uh, growth for your business uh, right now? Is it a, is it a particular product, a, a particular region, um, you know, developing new products? Uh, so I'm in the middle of developing a few new products. I mentioned that I was working on the dual position. Um, you guys, you made mention of the Winterbot. Um, that's fairly new, and we're trying to get the word out about that, and that works really well um i've had a buddy of mine in in minnesota he went out on a ride and it never went above zero i think he was out for four hours 
and his water never froze. So the Winterbot does great. And I'm also working on, I'm, I, I also skull. So for years I've been wanting to build a sculling net, but my lake had gone dry. Um, and I really couldn't get going on it. And now my lake is back, so I can get out and test the prototypes that I have. And um, a, a professional musher contacted me about a year ago. He had the snowmobile mitts, and he loved them and thought they were the best he'd ever touched. And he was after me to make him some mush mitts. So those are going to be here next year also. Um, and... Oh, and one more, not towards the winter product, but I made a summer bot. So it's the winter bot in white to reflect the heat instead of it being black. And I've tested that on a 90-degree day, two-and-a-half hours ride. Um, I still had ice at the end of the ride. Hmm. So is um, that still the, neoprene, or is that a, a different yeah, material? Yep. Yeah, it's the same neoprene. I just did it in white, like I say, to reflect off any... Um, the black absorption of the the heat and the sun. And um, the interesting thing about the Winterbot is it zips up. It comes with a cage. You mount it on your bike, and it zips around your water bottle. So you you do have to unzip it to get to it, but having a cold drink or having a drink like for the Winterbot, um, I, I tested the Winterbot, and it would freeze um a standard bottle of water would be frozen at 20 degrees in 20 minutes so i couldn't get water out of it and the winter bot never froze i've yet to freeze one and um the same with the uh summer bot we're gonna try to get the word out there and uh, see if these people riding long distances in the summer are going to like to have a cold drink well, I'd be happy to to try it out for you. I I, I have it's oh, been yeah. a, it's been a little while since I've touched the the ultra road bike scene, but uh, still very much doing the long long summer rides. So uh, yeah, it's cool. It's yeah. cool to hear. Um, okay, well, uh, this this has been uh, you know really informative, and and I know you you've got another product on the go, a, a Kickstarter campa- campaign. Why don't Why don't you tell us about that? Okay, so um, we are big skiers. Um, we love to go skiing and um, always making soup at the ski areas. So for years I had a, and, and putting, you know how snow can be when you're trying to cook something and the pots and the stove is melting around and uh, you're bending over and it's just, just a pain in the neck. So for years I had a, um, it was a tire step. Um, that they someone had designed so you could reach up onto the top of your car on the SUVs that are too high for people. So we used that for years to put my little, I call it a soup kitchen. It's a, and what it is is it's a five-gallon poly bucket with a hole cut in it, and I have a little Coleman stove inside, and then I put a pot down on top of it, um, and that keeps the heat in and the wind off it. Um, so anyway, I'm at the ski area one day and something clicks in my head and I turn the, t- um, I realized I could make a table that's supported off of the attire. So the table is completely s- supported from your car tire. So it doesn't use the ground at all. There's no instability in snow or, you know, if 
this rocky ground. You know how a table can be wobbly. Um, so uh, as soon as that idea came into my head, I came home. My son had an old pitching catch that was falling apart. I ripped it apart. It had the bends in it that I needed. Ripped it apart, cut it up, turned it into a tire table immediately. And that worked fantastic. And then it's been probably three years trying to develop it. And um, it's very difficult to find someone to help you. Uh, Everyone's busy. Everyone has their own ideas and stuff. So I had to learn how to weld. And I, I put up a little shop, taught myself how to weld, and then presto, I had exactly what I wanted. And um, playing around with it a little more and, and just using it um, got all the, all the bugs out. And now we have a shipment on its way. It's due in um, probably end of March here. And we're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign to help fund it a little bit. And throughout the Kickstarter campaign, it's um, you'll get tables for cheap. You know, we'll do a hundred for such and such a price, and and go up through different tiers. Um, now that campaign is not launched yet, but if you keep your eyes open, um, we're going to be going with it here shortly, uh, another month or so. And the table is called. It's kind of kind of a long name because certain names were used um it's tailgatertiretable.com and i've traveled and done a few specific shows um the new generation calls camping out of your car and four-wheeling overlanding so there's a couple of shows that um target that and I've gone and done those shows, and they just love this table. Well, the interesting thing about the table is everyone loves it. When we have it at the ski area, people come barging into our circle of people just to see the table. And um, that kind of excites me after the response I got from Barmets <laughs> and everyone laughing and goofing on my product as they walk by the exhibit. Um, the table's not getting that response, and... Um, we're just super excited to get it going, and that might be the the other end of the spectrum for me. So I can lay down the floor sanding and the fumes. Um, it'll go good throughout the summer. Well, it's uh, it's been fun to hear about your your serial entrepreneur uh, endeavor, and I, I'll admit I'm car free, so I don't know if I'll be in line to purchase a table, but it's uh, uh, nonetheless kind of inspiring to to to, to see that you're. You're always, you know, like any good entrepreneur, you're always expanding into new territories and, and never kind of resting on any any one idea. Um, so, uh, you, you know, I just want to th- thank you for your, your time, um, Ward, and for your, your contribution uh, to the summit. I, I, I'd love to have you up, but I appreciate you're a busy guy. Um, but if, if we don't happen to connect um, at the summit, um, I am definitely planning to be at uh, Interbike this year. I, I've never been, uh, so I look forward to, to, ne- to connecting down with you uh, at Vegas. Oh, that would be fantastic. Well, I, I, I will let, uh, let you get back to the, the, the great outdoors and, and, and the business, and, and I'm off uh, to Edmonton. But we'll, we'll be in touch, and I'll let you know who wins, uh, who win, wins uh, this month the pair of uh, bar mats. Good show. And um, 
keep us in mind that um, we're always willing to help out. Um, you know, if you need some more bar mitts to, um, as prizes, just let us know. Okay, really appreciate that. Thanks, Ward. Have a great afternoon. Thank you, uh, Ryan. Enjoy your day.